the biggest problem, everybody wants to get into real estate investing, but the biggest problem holding them back is that they know enough that they should, they don't know enough to know how. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome back, Right Club Nation, to the Right Club Podcast. My name is Sarah Larby, and I'm here with my co-host, Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Alfonso, how are you? I'm doing great, Sarah. How are you? Good. What's new? Oh, man, lots of stuff going on. We hit that 100 mark, and uh, Jag Properties hit that 100 mark, and we are just keep going more and more. So uh, things are rocking and rolling. The business is going well. I'm so excited. We had a great two-year anniversary event, a lot of fun, got to meet yes. a lot of new people. So... Yeah, how about you? What's uh, what's keeping you busy? Same old, trying to find some properties, looking at a couple in Peterborough, a couple at my cottage in Lakefield, and there's one house that we are about to, to sell and put on the market and uh, take that cash to buy some more with. And ironically, <laughs> ironically, one of your tenants, buyer, came through and uh, one of the two offers was yours. That, I honestly, it was so funny, Sarah, is when we uh, found these tenant buyers, we had these tenant buyers in Brantford, Ontario, and they were going out looking for a property in Brantford. And my first thought that came to mind, I'm like, I'm going to call Sarah up, see if she wants to buy any more properties in Brantford. Maybe she wants to do a rent-to-own project with us, right? And yeah, sure enough, it happened so quick, they found a place, and yeah, it's the place that you got for sale. So yeah, we're in the midst of the negotiating process right now of doing all that stuff. We have, we have to do our due diligence and, uh, yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah, what a small world. And I knew as soon as Brantford was there, as soon as Brantford came up, I'm like, Sarah's going to be involved somehow, some way, even if it was just conversating with you, talking about the Brantford market, where they should be looking and all that stuff. So how ironic. <laughs> It is, it is. I'm more to come as this is all new development. <laughs> and that's, and that's, you know what, that's a really cool point that I, I want to bring up because I heard this a lot actually. And when I mean a lot, like probably at least seven, eight times uh, at the two year anniversary event where the investors that are in that room that we met were actually working with other investors in that room and doing deals, whether they're professionals like realtors or, or insurance or whatever, but are actually other investors where they're doing joint venture deals and they're like, oh my God, if it wasn't for the right club, I wouldn't have been able to do this deal. Or I wouldn't have met this person who introduced me to that person. So I'm going to put it out there. We want to hear those stories. We want to spotlight that. Like that's to us, that's exactly what we were thinking and dreaming about like over two years ago is like, let's get people together to do more, right? And do more deals and, and get more stuff done to get more success together. So if you got a cool story, even if it's not that cool, you just met somebody at the right club and you're doing a deal, you're working together with them. Yeah. Let us know. And yeah, we'll spotlight this on the podcast on our online site as well too. So yeah, get at us. And we want to hear about that. Absolutely. For sure. It's a great segue, I guess, to our next guest and our wonderful longtime supporter of the right club, Danielle Chason. And uh, so Danielle's a founder of Strategic Success Consulting. She speaks at a lot of our events. You guys have maybe actually heard her or have come to see her at the Right Club in the past. She is just doing so many great things and has been, what is it, like 11 flips that she was saying in, in through the last three to five years? Yes, she's been doing a great job. And yeah, again, we met her at the Right Club and that's she started coming out to the events and she sponsored our podcast. You probably heard her ad on the podcast as well too. And yeah, she's doing a really great job systematizing it and now, again, showing others how to do it, how they can systematize it and work the plan, work the system so that you can grow and scale. Absolutely. And uh, Danielle's just such an inspiration too. She's, uh, she's doing it. She's come up with some great systems. She is like on the ball. You do not want to mess with her. She's got her stuff together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's great to hear just how organized she's created her business to be and just all of the different processes that she's got in place and uh, for flipping because flipping is uh, it's definitely not as easy as a, as a buy and hold in my opinion. And you've got to be a lot more organized uh, than the regular landlord just buying something and holding something. So she's really a great go-to person for all that information. And if you're looking at flipping a property or what you need to do in what order, how to do it, et cetera, she's a great resource. 
Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm really excited for this podcast. She's doing a lot more speaking in events and holding events herself as well, too, to show other people. So make sure that you, you get that information. She leaves that right at the end of the podcast, how to get a hold of her and reach out. But yeah, it's, again, real people doing it, right? And going through the process, showing where the landmines, as I like to call them, or where the mistakes are so that people can go through and rapidly advance so that it's not struggling on their own. So yeah, I'm really excited to get to the podcast. What do you think? Let's get to it. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle Chason. How's it going today, Danielle? It's going. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're so excited. Danielle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, I'm a full-time real estate investor. I have had properties all over Canada, and now I have niched it down to one market, and I'm investing only in Hampton. And that's because I'm doing flips. And so because it's active work, I'd like to have my boots on the ground and be close. So let's see what else. I'm a mother of three kids. I'm from the East Coast originally. And uh, I'm also a speaker and a coach consultant for strategic success. So and that is my new passion that I've recently discovered. Great. And for our listeners that uh, maybe haven't been out to a Right Club event, Danielle has spoken on her stage and she is a, you know, a permanent fixture at our events and she's always there, so kind, helping us out, working with uh, so many different uh, people in the room and helping out. She's a great resource. So, so thank you so much for, for joining us today and, and we're excited to get, uh, to get to know you a little bit better and to, to, to dive deeper into, uh, into what you do. So yeah, so why don't you walk us through how you got started in real estate and maybe what was your first deal and what that looked like? Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, because I bought my first property in 2003. So I'm going to actually fast forward to when I became, when I decided to make a move and make real estate investing a career, which was in 2013. That's when I incorporated a business. That's when I decided to go into this full time doing residential redevelopment, which as you know, is just my sexy word for flipping houses. And the reason why I'm going to fast forward is because that was a, le- a pivotal moment for me. That's when I hired my first coach and I did a lot of training and education in order to get me to where I am today. So in 2013, when I signed on, I onboarded with an educational program in the state. And then I kind of did everything backwards because I was a stay-at-home mom. And so I wasn't worried about getting income today. I was more focused on building my business, building the foundation of my business, and uh, getting education behind it so that I could minimize any types of losses that I might incur. Because when you're dealing in real estate, there's a lot of money to be lost because you're dealing with big numbers. So when you make a mistake, it's not a few hundred dollars, it's a few thousand dollars. And it can be tens of thousands of dollars, as we all know. So I knew the importance of getting proper coaching, proper education. I needed to learn how to run a business, how to structure a business, how to structure my organization. And so I took about, well, I had allocated 18 months and it looked more like two and a half years of just educating. So I traveled the states a lot, spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on my education. And then I started implementing it in the end of 2015. So the project I undertook was over a $100,000 project. That was my first project. But I could do that confidently because I had the knowledge that I needed in order to follow through. And so since then, I've got 11 rehabs in less than three, no, I guess three years. I've done secondary suite conversions. I've done joint venture projects. I've done partnerships. And so, and, and now with my coaching, I'm undergoing a reorg with my accountants and lawyers in order to get everything structured properly. As, as my investors out there that are experienced knows, we have to keep shifting our businesses as we grow. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Absolutely. I think when I, when I think flipping or basement conversions or any of that stuff, you're one of the first people I go to, to ask questions. And, and so now you're giving back, you're, you're helping others as well. And you started the strategic success consulting. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, that was developed last year. Uh, well, the concept was developed last year. It was last May, in fact. So May of 2018. What happened was, as I've gotten out there and networked with people, there's a lot of people who want to get into doing this but they just don't have the confidence to get out and do what we're all doing. And so people would call and ask, Hey, can you, can you help me with this? Can you come check this out? Would you mind walking through my property? 
I want to kind of do a rehab on this and I'm not really sure of the layout or I was thinking of putting a basement suite. And so there was one week in particular in May. And the thing is, here's the thing for me, I love helping people. I mean, that was just a passion of mine. I know what I know because it took a lot of time and energy to um, find out about, you know, all that I needed to know in order to get there. And then what happened was that particular week, it was a, a Saturday, and I remember I was driving. I took a call, which was supposed to be a 15-minute call, turned into an hour call. We all have had those calls. I, I get very passionate about helping people, and so I kind of, you know, when I roll with a thought, it just, I just flow with it and go with it. So I'm sitting in front of my dry cleaners for an hour, wrapping up this call, and then at the end of the call, the person on the other line says to me, he goes, wow. He goes, Danielle, that was hands down, the best hour spent of my life. He goes, thank you so much. And then he asked me if I would sit down with him and review his portfolio. And then that was a crossroads for me. And then I'm like, you know what? I really want to, but I'm realizing something today. And he said, what is that? I said, well, today, and then I thought it out real quickly. And that was my sixth hour that week of helping people that I had, I said, give me a minute, let me work through this. If you don't mind, I said, give me five minutes. And so I talked it out. I had figured out that it was about six hours of my time that I had just with helping people that I had committed in that one week alone. And it was starting to impede on my business a little bit. And so I knew at that moment I had to say no to him or I had to create a win-win. And so for me to create a win-win, it would have been all about monetizing my time. And I didn't want to say no. So I had to, that, in that moment, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll help you out if you allow me to use you as my guinea pig. Let's do a little bit of coaching. I want to see what it looks like. And then within two weeks, I hired an educator coach, a consulting coach. And, and then I started setting up my business. So we launched December 1st, 2nd. We had our first two-day workshop. Right now, I'm only doing live events. I'm building up my course catalog. And then we're going to be moving to webinars in January 2020. So it has really become a massive thing. Every time I'm at events, people are putting their hands up left, right, and center. As you know, at the right club, I said, hey, if you guys want to learn about maximizing your your returns and your registered funds, come talk to me at the back. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I got swarmed. So now actually... Claire and I are going to be doing on June 15th, a full day event on RSP and self-directed funds. And we're going to educate people on how to do it. And at the end of the day, it's just about educating people, helping them, because I know from walking around and networking and going to walking within these rooms, the biggest problem, everybody wants to get into real estate investing, but the biggest problem holding them back is that they know enough that they should, they don't know enough to know how or to have the confidence how. So my mandate with strategic success is to strategically teach you how to do it to give you the confidence so that you have clarity on your path moving forward. Because I know I wouldn't be able to pull the trigger on anything that I do if I didn't have the knowledge that I have. And I'm sure both of you would say the same thing. So that's really what strategic success is all about. And, you know, I mean, I'm loving it. Like I have, look, I don't know if you can see this, but I have literally right now just thinking about it because I'm just so passionate about helping. And I think we can help elevate everybody. And I learned from my students just as they learned from me. Like, I can't even tell you how fantastic this is becoming. Hey, Right Club Nation. This week's sponsor is Emil Jelnik. Emil is a mortgage broker that has personally helped me grow my real estate portfolio and rent of own business for years now. The really cool thing is that he started out like most of us with no property and no money. Over his investing career, he was able to accumulate over 200 units. The beauty is that with the meal, you not only get the mortgage you need, but you get investing advice from someone there that has been there and done it and has the experience. Absolutely. Now, if you're just getting started or perhaps you already have many properties or even if you want to get into commercial investing, Emil can help you. And he's already helped many of our Right Club Nation listeners. He's very focused on helping you and our listeners meet their financial dreams. So if you wanted to reach out and call Emil, you can call him at 416-402-7448 or visit his website, which is jellyneckmortgages.ca. 
If you want to get to know more about Emil, you can check out his episode of our podcast, episode number 21, and get to know Emil a little bit better yourself. But for now, back to the podcast. And, and it is so important. I think all of us have learned from somebody or, or multiple people that have actually walked the path that we want to walk down and do that and learning from that. And I think that's what allows to advance and get there quicker, right? Is that you can go out there and read the books and, and make the mistakes yourself. And a lot of people have done that, but it's more rapid and, and can kind of, I don't want to call it a shortcut because it's not, you still need to do the hard work and you need to still go through that. But you see where the landmines are or where, you know, with your students, and I know with Sarah, she's doing a lot of coaching as well, too, that you're able to show them the landmines and where you and, you know, Sarah have made the mistakes so that your clients, your students don't have to make those same mistakes. And with the Right Club, we love that is sharing those experiences and saying, you know, this is the way that I did it. There's not one way to do real estate investing. There's probably like infinite ways, you know, there's probably ways that haven't even been invented yet that you can do real estate investing and, and to work with somebody that has done that path, somebody that wants to do flips or, or basement conversions or residential redevelopment. I love how you said that is somebody that has done it. So maybe talk about your, your most recent project that you're working on and, and kind of get into a little bit of the details of that. Okay. Well, I, I've got one on the market. Funny story that I had to take down yesterday. There was an open house. And as you guys know, we had a lot of rain yesterday. So my realtor showed up. It's beautiful. It's done. My realtor showed up, set up for the open house. And there was two puddles of water. We've even waterproofed in the basement. So, but there was two puddles of water in the basement. There are certain things that you just don't know until it shows up. And so he called me. I told him to take down the list and cancel the open houses until I had this resolved. I uh, got the plumber out there within three hours. He snaked out the, he snaked out the drains. And it was just the main drain. Water is coming in. It's a problem that happens in Hamilton. That's why it's important to know your market and to know the different pockets have different issues, as you guys know. And in Hamilton, downtown, not on the escarpment, but, you know, down, I say downtown, but, you know, below the escarpment, old Hamilton has water issues. And so, so yeah, so that's, that's what happened. Let's see, walk, walk you through that, that project. Well, you know, it, it was just a straightforward project like any other project. We had, there was a little bit of moisture in the basement, so we did waterproof that one. We opened up a couple of walls. What I did a duplex or a single family property? No, this one was just a straight flip. Now, here's the interesting thing. When, when I bought the property, the numbers were really strong because I bought it in the fall. And the numbers that I was using for my ARV, and for those of you who don't know what ARV is, it's the after repair value. So once you've done all the repairs to it, what is it going to sell for on the market? So our ARV was about 480. So my range was 450, sorry, 460 to 480 for the ARV. As you guys know, in the fall, everything with the, the mortgage rates going up, everybody stopped buying. So prices went down. So everybody who was on the market trying to sell started reducing their list price and they ended up selling for less. So now that I'm going to list the house, now the top ARV that I have, top ARV is 452. So here's a little tip that I did. It was actually a suggestion of my, of my realtor. Uh, we decided to do a little bit extra in an area that I typically wouldn't. So when you do flips, you always try to match the neighborhood. Don't try to do more than what's in the neighborhood because if you do, you're not going to see the return for that. But because we're going into a spring market and there's a lot of activity, I, I knew that this would pay off. So I'll have to you know, keep you guys informed and let you know what happens with it. But we had to do some wainscoting and we did creme molding all on the lower floor, all the way up the staircase to the second floor. And we did the second floor hallway. So I also did quartz countertops where normally in that area I wouldn't. And we had a lot of activity and a lot of interest up until yesterday when I took down the listing. So I'm going to have uh, my plumber come back on Monday. We did open up the drain, but I told him, he didn't have his camera, but I told him I want him to go through with the camera. Here's what I'm going to say for those of you, do it right. You know what? At the end of the day, I firmly believe in karma and it's going to cost me $300 to have the sewer line snake and find out if there really is an issue. I can, at that point, make two decisions. If there's a problem with the sewer lines, I can fix it. And if there isn't, I can disclose it, but it's the right thing to do. Because if I, if I allow the new buyers to move into that property and there is an issue and I knew there could be an issue, but didn't do anything and they finished the basement 
or they put a whole bunch of boxes with family photos in it. I don't want to live with that. And I don't suggest any of you, because you know what, you got to do right by people. And so I just want to say that. So on Monday, we're having the snake, the uh, line snaked with the camera. And uh, if there is an issue, I'll fix it. And we may even put a back water valve. So we'll relist it on Wednesday and start the whole process all over again with the open houses next weekend. And then I'll let you know how it goes. But you know, those are the issues that we have with that one. Absolutely. Well, good luck. Hopefully you, you get your oh, you. price for it now. So you bought it. How did you buy it? Did you finance it or did you use private money? How did you do that? So I used private money on this one. Uh, let me say, I want to say I'm no money down, but I'm not. So my private money lender wanted to lend me at hundred percent, but he was short a little bit and he was hoping that he was going to get paid off on another, he was anticipating that he was going to get paid off on another loan that he had, which didn't come in before we closed. So, but he did have the 80%. He gave me 80 and uh, another private money lender gave me the difference. So, and then I put in the rental cost. Typically with my own money. Typically what I'll do is my lenders like to, they want to maximize what they can get. So for a first position mortgage, I typically borrow hundred percent. And depending on how many projects I have on the go, I do fund my own reno. Or if I need the capital because I've got too many projects on the go, then I'll, um, then I'll get private money on the second. That's awesome. And yeah, it's a creative way of, of getting your deals done. There's no better way than just going to, you know, the, one of the big five banks walking in and saying, Hey, I want to do a flip property. You'll probably get looked at really weird and probably won't get too much help. And, and obviously now with, with the track record that you have, that you've done multiples of these deals, it's probably a little bit easier to find that private money when you have a portfolio saying, well, look, here are examples of deals that I've done. Here's my track record. Here's the plan for this specific property. So what are the type of things? So you said you mentioned your private lender, the first one that was going to go 80. What are some of the kind of the questions? So somebody that's out there that wants to do one of these projects and says, hey, I want to go find private money, just how Danielle did. What are some questions or some concerns that some of these private money lenders, they ask? You know, some could be just like, yeah, no problem. I know you, Danielle, you've done 10 projects with me. No problem. Here's the money. But from a brand new investor standpoint, what are some things that you have to show them to, to get that money? Okay. So regardless if it's a brand new investor or it's a current investor, I always do this as a common courtesy. I put together a private money lender package. So I'm going to run through it real quick. It's super simple, but me as a lender, this is what I want to see. And if I don't see this, I will not lend with you. And I'll tell you why, because if you can't even put this together for me, then you're trying to cut corners. How are you going to do the rental? You know, if you can't do the time in order to find the money and secure the money for your project, then you're not going to do the time that you need in order to do the project properly. So when I lend, it's passive. I don't want nothing to do with it. And I want to make sure that you're willing to do the work and that you're, you have the time to do the work. I mean, if you don't have the time to put a private money lender package together, you're not going to have the time to do a project. I'm going to tell you that right now because it's very time consuming. So a private money lender package looks like this. First page is a summary. So you're going to have a front photo of the house. You're going to have a summary of all the numbers because as a lender, first thing I look at is the numbers. So you're going to have the ARV, which is an acronym for after repair value. You're going to have the cost of reno, which is going to be based on your scope of work. And you're going to have the purchase price. Not what it's listed for, not what you're offering, but the purchase price. What are you actually getting it for? And then behind that, you're going to have all supporting documents. So the first thing you're supporting is the ARV, right? So I want all the comps to support the ARV that you came up with. Now, here's the kicker. When you're presenting to a private money lender, the ARV, present it as a range. And I always go $20,000 for, you know, because I'm in that three to $500,000 price range. So always determine it as a range, not as a hard number. Because if you, I mean, you're never going to be bang on as a hard number. So you don't want to be above or below because then you look like an idiot. You want a range and target inside that range. You don't know what the market's going to look like in six months. And so it's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be selling at anyway. So, and let them determine what that number looks like. So the ARV is going to be supported by the comp that you're going to get from your realtor. And that's for newly renoed houses or nicely kept houses that have a lot of uh, pride of ownership. So the next number you're going to support is the rental cost, which is going to be quotes from your contractors that you walk through. It's going to be pictures of the property itself. 
that will support the scope of work. Now, as a lender, when I'm looking at the private money lender package, if you don't have a kitchen in the quote and I look at the pictures and the kitchen is a mess, then I know you're not running your numbers right. So that's why you want those supporting documents. And then, of course, the purchase price, you're going to support that with a copy of the agreement of purchase and sale that you have under contract. Do not ever show a private money lender a potential property because you're just wasting his time and he's going to say, you know what, look, I don't have time to just kind of bet the what if. I want a deal on the table that you have. So you're going to support the purchase price with the agreement of purchase and sale. That's what you're going to include in that. And that is your private money lender package. Okay. All right. Great, great advice. Great tips. Great insights. I know you presented a little while back on our stage and you were talking about some other mistakes maybe that you made in the past or that you see a lot of people making and, and some tips to try to avoid them. Can you share a few of those? Okay. So probably my biggest mistake is the wrong partner, the wrong partner without documentation. So that's always an issue. Don't partner with friends and family. Guys, don't do it. We all say, no, 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 it's not going to happen to me. And we got to go through it in order to learn it. So uh, Sarah Alfonso, I'm not going to partner with you guys because I like you guys. So don't partner with anybody you like. And I'll tell you why. Because if you like them, it's harder to hold your position. So don't partner with relationships that you cherish. And so the relationship is not worth it. There's enough people out there who are partners. As I'm saying this, I love all of my partners. Let me just say that. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But no, you know what? You don't want to have a pre-existing relationship, honestly. Yeah. And if you do, there's got to, you know, obviously you need to trust your partners, but make sure you have documentation. So whether it's for a JV agreement or a shareholder agreement, and if I may, I'd like to talk about that for a minute because this is what I tell all of my students. I prefer JVs over partnerships, legal partnerships with an entity, which is a shareholder agreement. The reason for that is because on a JV partnership, it's on a case-by-case or deal-by-deal basis. And if things go sideways, you ride it out. And then at the, at the end of that JV agreement, it's done. And then you can walk away. When you're dealing with a partnership on a business, then it's a shareholder agreement. You can't fire a shareholder. And so getting away from a shareholder partnership is much more difficult. Now, to use an analogy to try to showcase the differences in, in really simple terms, a JV agreement is like dating and a shareholder agreement is like a marriage. <laughs> and it's really hard to separate. It gets messy in a marriage. There's a lot of fighting and there's a, it's, it's terrible. Ask me how I know. Not nice. And so you want to be very cognizant of that. If you go into a shareholder agreement, it really must be a long-term till death do us part kind of deal because it's hard to get out of. I do know some people who work where, the, where they had uh, shareholder agreements in place. They shared a business. One shareholder walked away, but he still owns part of the business. So the other shareholder is working and paying the other one for doing nothing. So I'm just telling you guys something for you to, to be aware. JV agreements, the agreement itself does not look very much different than a shareholder agreement, but you can get out of it way easier. Yeah, I, I love how you break down the, the, the two differences with uh, the, the JV versus the shareholder. Because even my business partner now, Adam, we, we had done several projects together and we had joint ventured on them. And then we got to the point where we were comfortable enough that we said, okay, hey, let, let's, let's partner together. Let's, let's full on do a shareholder's agreement. And I remember it was maybe after our, our 10th or 12th deal, we were sitting in a bank opening up the new account for the property and the advisor, whoever it was on the other side of the bank or uh, other side of the desk says, you know, how did you guys meet? Are you guys friends? Like, how did you guys do this? And we're like, we looked at each other and we're like, wait, are, are we friends? We're just business partners. <laughs> and at that point now, obviously the relationship has grown. I, you know, I'm, I'm friends with him. Got two, two beautiful young kids. And, you know, it's, the, the friendship has grown. But really, at the beginning, it was strictly business. And right. still to this day, we always say that the business relationship is more important than the friendship. He's like, we both say to each other, listen, we're going to piss each other off. But if the business is the business, that's always coming first. So I love the way that you break that down on a per case basis. Yeah. So I guess another good way to do that is, yeah, based on the projects, you're understanding what each person wants or what they bring to the table to the partnership, right? Obviously, with your expertise of, of you know, managing a crew of construction, doing the construction and handling kind of the boots on the ground, as you said, right? Like that's your role of it and really defining 
the rules of what the partnership is in the joint venture agreement. Do you have any tips or tricks or advice when you are kind of defining those rules, whether it is a partnership, a JV partnership, or whether it's a full-on like shareholders agreement in a business? Right. I'm very clear. So when it comes to that, if I could say this, I don't hold back. I'm huge on managing expectations. And in fact, I had a gentleman who has a fair amount of money who wants to work with me. And we talked about JVing together. And I said, for, for my flips, the way I structure my flips, I do private money lenders because it's easier. I don't have to go through this whole process of a documentation with a JV agreement. I don't have to deal with structuring, okay, who does what and this and that and be clear and try to manage their expectations. With a private money lender, it's almost done without saying, okay, I'm giving you the money and when you're done, you pay me back. They have nothing to do with picking specs, managing the guys. And I'm really big on staying in your lane. So with a JV agreement, when you're dealing, in, in my case, when I'm doing my flip, when I'm dealing with a private money lender, it's very clear what lane each person is in. And so, but with the JV agreement, it's not. So the, the nice thing about, and maybe you can even attest to this, Alfonso, when you're building out that agreement, whether it's a shareholder agreement or JV agreement, and then you're going back and forth and always have a lawyer involved because they will guide you on the things that you forget about because there's things that you might not have thought of. Every deal has its own uniqueness to it. But what happens is as you're building out this JV agreement, there are things that you think of just through that process, oh yeah, what about this? Who's going to manage that? Don't go, oh, well, we'll figure that out after. No, you need to put it on paper. You need to put it on paper. And so when I was having this conversation this week, in fact, with this lender, the thing is, it was, sorry, he, he's a lender, but he wants to JV with me, which is where it gets kind of muddled. And then I told him flat out, the reason why I don't JV is because JV partners say they don't want to have any say in the rehab but then they want to come check out the property and then they walk through and then they start questioning, why am I doing this? And why am I doing that? I will report to my partners all day long at the end of the week. I'll send you pictures. I'll tell you what got done, where we're at, but don't come into my project and start telling me what I'm doing right or wrong because I know what I'm doing. And if you don't trust that, then you're not the right per person for me. You're not the right partner. And so I'm very blunt and I don't hold back. Which is why when you're partnering with somebody, and I don't have an existing, a pre-existing relationship with this guy, just like Alfonso, you said, with your partner. So it's easy for me to say that to them. It would be hard for me to say that to my sister, for example, because that personal relationship then makes the person on the other side, my sister would take that personally and say, well, that's not what I, you know, I'm not saying that. It's just because of this. And then it, that, it just muddles it. So it's always easier to manage the expectations of your partners whom you don't have a pre-existing relationship with. Absolutely. And you're right, Alfonso. I have a great relationship with all my partners, whether they're lenders or JV partners. Um, but that did come after. That did come after the partnership was created. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, you sound, well, I know what, when I say it, sometimes I feel bad saying it, but it's like, you sound like, you know, like a, a bad person, but it's not personal it's business right and that's really what it comes down to and just one other note because you used the analogy was um it with any like joint venture agreement or partnership and i, I got this advice from a lawyer uh, a while back now but you plan the divorce before you plan the marriage right so I think <laughs> yes. that, that was the best advice that i that i got in terms of you know those things that you mentioned that the lawyer thinks of that yeah. you don't right yeah, absolutely. So Danielle, I mean, you're, you're doing so much. How do you have time for everything? <laughs> well, that's easy. Uh, that's easy. I have a lot of people behind me. So there's nobody who's a self-made millionaire, self-made person, self-made success story. My success really is from all the people who are elevating me and helping me along the way. So for example, this weekend I had my realtor do the open houses. As you know, I'm licensed. I don't do any of my own deals and my real estate deals. And that's because I can't. You have to leverage other people's expertise and or time. And I do that with my realtor. I do that with my contractor who I have on payroll. I'm not at my properties anymore every day or every other day. I'm lucky if I get down there once a week. I started demo on my newer project on Tuesday and I had planned on going there on Tuesday, 
But because of the systems that I've put into place and the people that I've put into place to work those systems, when my day took a turn on Tuesday, demo didn't come to a screaming halt. The only thing that changed was I'm not going to make it today. So you guys go ahead and do what you need to do. I'll get there when I get there. And I didn't get there till Thursday. So it was on day three, almost three days of demo was done before I even got there. And I didn't recognize the house. I was really bummed out about that because my favorite part of the project <laughs> is when we start turning it around. But, you know, something else took priority. And so I was able to shift because of the people that I have in place. At the end of the day, guys, you cannot do it alone. So learn it, learn it well enough to manage it and then delegate it. That's the only way you're going to scale any business. You have to put the systems in place. As you're learning what it is you're learning, you're going to put systems in place, and then you're going, to, you're going to delegate that system to somebody else to run. So for example, with my projects, I had four stages of a rental project. And at each stage, I have three people in place that each have tasks. And I have checklists that they have to go through. So it's very, very complex. And, and it took me probably, putting that together, probably took me about four or five rehabs to put together. But I'm a system girl because I know I can't scale without it. And I know I can't do it myself. And God only knows that if I try to keep it all up here and remember it every time I go through it, I'll always forget something. And forgetting something in our industry could cost us thousands of dollars. So if I get checklists and if I put systems into place, it minimizes the losses. It minimizes downtime. That's how I'm able to scale and do everything that I'm doing. And I'm doing that now with strategic success. Amazing. Well said. Awesome. So Alfonso, do you think it's time for our lightning round? I think so. Let's get to the lightning All round. Right. And now there's uh, four yeah. questions. And okay. first answer that comes to mind. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Sarah Larby. Sarah's goal is to help other Canadians create wealth and retire earlier through real estate investing. Ever wonder how to find, screen, and manage the very best tenants? Go to www.sarahlarby.com to download her free guide. How about where to invest? If so, Sarah is also giving away a free checklist to determine where you will want to buy your next investment property. Check it out on her website. Question number one. What is the best advice that you've ever received from an investor or at a networking event? Oh, at a networking event. So initially when you said that, I'm thinking right away I had from my coaches, I've had a few really good tips. Here are some of those too. From a coach? I think it'd be more valuable to your uh, viewership. Maybe if I give you this, trust but verify. That was a $20,000 lesson Okay. Uh, from, from my coach. So I, I don't know, lightning around means short answer. I mean, you can expand a little bit on it if you'd like. So, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to tell you things all day long. Your realtor is going to give you calm. Yeah, you can trust your realtor, but always verify. Your contractor is going to give you numbers on, you know, what needs to be done. Trust it, but verify it. I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with going and, and double checking the information they're giving. As a lender, when you're lending, they're giving you numbers. You have to verify those numbers. So trust, but verify. Even if it's people that you've worked with in the past. Actually, I would probably say especially the people you've worked with in the past. I love that. And even with the people that you do have that trust, that constant verifying because things change, things doing that, yeah. I love that. Trust trust is yeah. earned at the end of the day, right? So I love that. Trust but verify. I know you've shared that with me in the past and, uh, yeah. and I, I try to implement that in, in our business and even day-to-day -day life. So, all oh, right. Wait, can I share here. another one? Can I share another one? Hang yeah, on. go ahead. Because sure. like, this one's a life changer. I've heard this actually at a networking event this past week that I was at. The opposite of progress is perfection. So a lot of us get stuck on trying to do too much. And a big thing, when I first started out in business that I learned from my first group of coaches was done is better than perfect. Um, so anytime you get stuck, just put it in your head, done is better than perfect. Great um, advice. Another one that kind of kind of goes with that one is decide and do. Just decide and do. Okay. The reason why I give you guys these, essentially it's the same message just delivered differently is because it's going to resonate differently with everyone. I just want to make sure you guys all, I, I want everybody to, to get better. So that's awesome. that's awesome. All right. Well, you can help our listeners with this next question. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? I'm trying to get away from what's popping in my head, but just the people around me. That's what's, like, I don't have anything. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great resource. I have really, 
and it's not just, for example, my coaches that are my pluses. So we're, we're surrounded by pluses and minuses and equals. And all of my coaches that I pay thousands for are my pluses. And then you guys are my equals. And then we have people who are just starting out who are my minuses that I'm trying to help elevate and, and put my hand down, pull them up with me. And I learn from every single one. And beyond that, the, the people that I learned from, the people around me. So when I speak about the people around me, I mean, I mean those people who help guide me or help get me unstuck plus my professional team, my power team, my lawyer, my accountants when I need them. But what is also important to me is my support network. So when I just, you know, when I'm just having a bad day, those people that are there to just accept me for me and tell me it's okay to have a bad day. I need that too, because sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and, and that's very valuable to me. I couldn't get through the hard days without them. So I'll always get the resources that I need within real estate. It's all there for all of us for speaking. When we need it, we need to reach out for it. But the, the support system that you put in place when you're having a bad day is, is what's going to help you through. So I think that's probably more important than anything else. Yeah, 100% agree. Great, great answer. Question number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? My education. Okay. My knowledge. I mean, you can't find success if you don't know what you're doing. You can trip over it, but it won't be sustainable long-term if you don't ever get the knowledge behind it. There's a lot of people in 2016 that made a lot of money in the real estate industry because you couldn't go wrong because the market was just so crazy, as you guys remember, where it was just like you could buy anything and make thousands on it. And then after the Ontario housing plan came in, the whole landscape changed and a lot of people lost money. A lot of people lost money because they didn't have the knowledge behind them in order to actually do business. So if you want sustainable success, if you want consistent success, it all comes with your network and your knowledge. You're going to get experience along the way and we're still going to make mistakes, but you minimize those mistakes with knowledge. And of course, like I said, the network. I mean, I know that let's say I want to do an RTO. It's not my thing, but it's what Alfonso does. And, and I got into trouble in our, with an RTO. I could go to Alfonso. That's my network. Say, hey, Alfonso, here's what's happening. And he can save my behind because I've got those resources. But don't go in, into anything without the knowledge, guys. I mean, that's really what's key. And I just can't even, I just can't even stress enough how that's carried me through everything. Yeah. No, great answer. Great answer, Danielle. All right, last question of the lightning round. And you've been so gracious with your time this morning with us, and it's Sunday morning we record these. But it's a typical Sunday morning. What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm supposed to be at Acre right now. (laughs) (laughs) I have a three-day conference next weekend. I don't just tell you what I think. I practice what I preach. I'm very big on that. So I'm all about education. So when I tell you that's probably the most important thing, in order to attribute that to my success, it truly, truly is. Um, if you take knowledge and then you implement it, you will find success, period. And so I want to make sure that I can deliver value to the people that I'm educating. And so I need to make sure that I'm constantly educated and on top of newest strategy. The market is always changing. And so businesses that fall behind in the times are businesses that fall off the map at the end of the day. It's just simple as that. Somebody once told me businesses always fail when it's handed over to the second generation. I would challenge that most of those businesses were failing before they exchanged hands because people get set in their ways and they don't shift with the times. When you look at Blockbuster, you look at even like bigger corporations are not immune to that. Um, There are a lot of companies that if you don't, if you're not fluid with your business, you will not sustain long-term and certainly you won't be able to pass down to a second generation. So I'm really big on educating myself, finding out what's happening in the market, happening, finding out what, what the needs are of my target audience, whether that's on the buy sell side or whether that's on the education side. And so, yeah, so right now I'm supposed to be at a conference. Really, I'm always in, if you guys know this about me, for your members who don't know this about me, I'm always in a conference room somewhere as an attendee as well. Absolutely. Well, we do want to thank you for being on the podcast and skipping Acre 
this morning. <laughs> so well, I'll Danielle, be I'll be there in an hour. So uh, okay, awesome. <laughs> so if our Right Club Nation, our listeners wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go? Well, they can go to daniellechason.com. And my last name is spelled C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N.com. Or they can go if they're curious what events are coming up for strategic success. If they do want to learn a little bit more, I've got four events coming up. They can go to events.strategicsuccessconsulting.com and uh, just click on the event that they're looking for. And yeah, that's pretty much it. They can go to strategicsuccess.com as well, which will be the main page. Excellent. That's awesome. Then any last words of advice or anything that you'd like uh, our listeners to know? Do the right thing. There you go. Do the right thing on that note. Thank you very much, Danielle, for being on our show. We are excited. You have been a long-term supporter at the Right Club, uh, speaker on multiple occasions, and uh, we're really, really excited about uh, all of the help and the mentoring that you've been able to do with, uh, with our nation. And so thank you for, for everything that, uh, that you've been doing for the past two years. You've been with us since the beginning. Honestly, I've told you guys this before, it's not hard to get behind the right people. And what you guys are doing is in complete alignment with my core beliefs and my ethical values. You guys, honestly, at the core of who you are very genuine and you just want to help people. And I can easily get behind that all day long. So I want to thank you guys for doing what you're doing because I happen to know how much work you guys do behind the scenes. For those viewers out there who don't realize it, guys, this is all for you and they, they're dedicating their time for you. So I appreciate what you do because I'm also a member of the right club and I put myself in that category where you're doing it for me. And I thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you very much and have a great day. You as well. Thanks for having me. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a great conversation and interview we had with Danielle. She is just a wealth of knowledge, a lot of good tips and tricks. What did you think, Sarah? I mean, it's amazing what she's accomplished in that amount of time and how many properties that she's been able to flip. But the, the big thing that I got from it is her mentors and her coaches have tremendously helped her. And now she wants to return the favor and, and help others as well. But, you know, it just goes to show you, if you want to learn this game faster to get the right coaches and people on your side and the right team, it's going to exponentially increase like your efficiency and also decrease the amount of time that you spend learning it all on your own. So I, I like that. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not, uh, there's no reason whatsoever you should be out there doing this on your own and struggling. If you're having an issue, if you're having a problem, there is somebody out there that's walked that path and done it a little differently. And, you know, typically what we find is the more successful the person is, the more gracious they are with their time to help somebody. They don't want to see people struggle. They want to see people achieve success, right? So mm -hmm. that's the cool part. There's a lot of, a lot of great tips, but what I love, and she told me this a while ago, um, was trust, but verify. And she just gave me another great one is that the opposite of progression is perfection. So I was always worried. It's gotta be perfect and lighting. And even here, I kind of get like OCD about like how everything looks and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? It's just doing it. And I think that's a big, a big thing that you've taught me as well too, Sarah, was it doesn't have to be perfect. Let's, let's go out there. Let's give it our best shot. Let's do it. Let's, let's make the second time better than the first, the third better than the second and, and grow from there, right? Absolutely. That's how you improve. That's the, the more that you actually do things and implement things, I think your, your growth exponentially increases versus just learning and reading about it. So I say ready, fire, aim. <laughs> Essentially, it's the same thing, right? You need to learn just enough and then just go ahead and implement it. And then your second one, your third one, your fourth one, et cetera, you improve as you're doing them. So just get out there and, uh, and just jump in. You got it. You got it. So we're really excited. We're, we're almost at uh, the summer break. It's, we're recording this at the end of March, but by the time this comes out, we'll be in the, in the summer, almost to the summer break, probably with one, one event left and uh, some really, really cool stuff that we have planned for the fall. A lot of interesting info. We are reaching out to a lot of really cool people and have some of our speakers kind of set in place and uh, really, really grow in this club so that we can do more and we can help more people. That's the funnest part about this stuff is seeing the progression that people make and even the progression that I've been making. I know just as I'm finishing this podcast, I'm, I'm going to buy a brand new mountain bike 
because a friend, uh, Michael Dominicetti, if you're listening, has challenged me to go mountain biking with him. So uh, it's something that I've always done as a kid, but not like hardcore and doing that. But yeah, really great hobby. And it's pushing me outside of that. I'm a little little scaredy cat when it comes to that kind of stuff, like the, the speed. But uh, yeah, after the, the skydiving, I think I've gotten over that. Where are you going to go biking? So like mountain biking trails, like through like forests and trails and like got to wear a helmet and all this kind of stuff. So it's, uh, I think there is some level of danger to it. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that, but that's, that's what it is. It's, it's growing that maybe three or four or five years ago, I wouldn't even have even thought about this. I'm like, no way, that's crazy. I got to get on a bike, I got to go down, got to wake up, do all that. No, 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 way too much. But just expanding that, right? And, and getting, trying different things. And Hey, maybe I'm going to hate it. I don't know, but I'm going to try it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I really want to find like a, an outdoor hobby where, okay. you know, it's, you can give me some ideas of some different things. I mean, like I, I do some golfing. I'm not super good, but I'm looking for like, what is a really fun hobby that will not feel like working out, but just fun? <laughs> well, I, again, another, I know this is weird. I'm getting into all these things, but I've, I've actually, I'm really proud that I, I've kind of trimmed down some weight and, and gotten and a little bit really healthier. Good in the last little while, but tennis. Tennis is one of the funnest things I've ever done. It's an outdoor sport in the summertime. It's definitely an outside sport, outdoor sport, and it doesn't feel like exercise. You're running around, it's crazy cardio. A lot of like mental work too, right? Because you're, you're moving, you're swinging, the ball is turning, and it really challenges you in, in a different way too. So yeah, if you, are, if you ever wanna play tennis, you only need one other person. That's the great thing about it too, right? To, to go and play. So uh, maybe tennis, Sarah. Yeah, it could be a it could be a good idea. Awesome. Well, it's uh, it's always fun to uh, to spend time with you on uh, on Sunday morning. Now it's uh, a little bit uh, past Sunday morning. We're going into the afternoon, but you know these podcasts have been awesome, and the feedback that we've been getting have been tremendous. And so thank you everybody who takes a moment and emails us. And if you've left us a review, thank you as well. We're we're here to to give back. And uh, hearing that is also a way that we, uh, we keep going and, uh, and, and just makes us very motivated to be able to keep recording these. So thank you for reaching out. Thank you for your support, guys. Right Club Nation, you guys are the best. We are, honestly, the, the Right Club, to me, is my favorite people. I always say they're the right people. So definitely hang out with the right people. Who are your five? What's your circle of influence? That's what we always talk about come out to our events, keep giving us the feedback on the podcast. We, like Sarah said, we love, love hearing that. We want to continuously improve. So uh, yeah, I guess until next week, guys. Keep learning and keep growing. Come grow with us. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.